We got a jam-packed show in. Real Kipper and Bourne for the next two hours. Never feels like that. No. Does it go by <laughs> fast? You're like, God, it no. feels like 10 to me. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm like, sometimes I'm looking at it and go, 308. You <laughs> got an hour and 40. What? More minutes? No, far more commonly. I'm like, wait, how's it 437? Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, pushing all the right buttons. In. Out of the bullpen, Danielle Goche. Did I say it correct? Yes. All right. Whoa. One for one. Way to go. And Sammy McKee. Hey, speaking out of bullpen, Sammy, are we okay with uh, Teoscar gone? Uh. And uh, uh, and some Good. relief pitching in for the Jays. We okay with that? I gotta do uh, no, <laughs> no. I, just a no. I would have been okay with it if they had traded him for a guy who threw a hundred. Like they I don't have anybody who throws a hundred. Mm. The guy that God throws a hundred miles an yeah. hour. He throws like ninety four. It kind of feels like right now the plan is like when you're going to reno a basement and they've done the demolition and they have no plans for the reno part. <laughs> and it's like, what are you going to build there? And they're like, ah, we'll probably something better. I'm actually very fired up about. Canada's men's national team today winning a friendly over Japan. Their final tune-up before World Cup starts next Wednesday. Cheeky little 95th-minute penalty kick. So we, when's our first real game? Next Wednesday. Okay. Uh, and it's at, uh, I think, 2 p.m. So like, we have we're not a, allowed to play through our show. We have a one-hour show that day um, where your boy Sam will be extremely locked in on the show in the <laughs> second half of Canada's first game against Belgium. Yeah, so, we are going to be talking about that a bit. Nah. We'll be building that one up too. Don't worry. So yeah, though, in fairness, Kipper and I couldn't talk about that one for more than 48 seconds anyway before we'd run out of material. (laughs) I don't know how your depth of the men's national soccer team is, Kipper. Well, Kipper used to play soccer. I did. I was a fullback, man. Yeah, but Kipper was the guy you thought he was. He already told me he was a bulldozer. Sweeper. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say, just a slide check after slide check. Oh, no, drop the shoulder in. (laughs) I accidentally on purpose. You know how many chains I broke one year from... You know, the forwards come in and they still want to wear their chains. And yeah. you just drop one shoulder in and they're like, uh, they're looking for their chain. Just links on the all over the court, <laughs> links all over everywhere. the field, over the pitch. I, I gotta it's tell you. amazing how many shoulders you can get into a guy in a game of soccer. There's some contact. There's huge contact. Just because they like to dive around a lot, which I think is a big reason a lot of guys in Canada don't like soccer. Honestly, that's a big, oh, I can't deal with the diving. I know. But that is a, like, listen. It's a real thing. It okay, pisses me well, off, d- too. Didn't something go viral where uh, uh, an official tapped a guy? Yeah, and he, he fell. Was, was that a, just a, a joke? Was that no, just no, for no. Uh, He thought it was one of the guys on the other team hitting him in the back, and he went down. In fairness, bad. there's some diving, but, like, look, Michael Bunting's not exactly getting authentically <laughs> knocked down every time out there, fellas. Hate to break it to you, but... Oh, I can't believe you called Bunting a soccer player. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't, I don't even have like a right. I did. Next question, yes, you your did. honor. Uh, yes, you did. So, yeah, I'm really excited for the World Cup. And Canada played well today against Japan, who's a real team. So it was fun. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, they're big underdogs. Okay, we are expecting a really good hockey game tonight, are we not? With New Ooh. Jersey and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And for those of you that think that uh, maybe this team is uh, not real and uh, the, the, the bubble's going to burst, Hey, listen, they're going to lose. They may lose tonight, but this team is real. The Devils. Yes. Yes. They're fast. They're getting some good spectacular. They're getting some good goaltending. I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon. Uh, They may come down to earth, uh, but they've made made some big strides here. And 
it, 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 you got to assume that the Leafs have noticed that they're coming in yeah. on a heater. They are on a heater. And you're just not throwing your sticks in the middle of the ice and uh, and picking teams here. This no. is, this is going to be some real big league hockey. Yeah, and to your point about being legit, so the Devils have won 10 straight games. Uh, thanks, Sam McKee, for digging this up. Of the 60 previous teams to post a winning streak of 10-plus games, 58 of them went on to make the playoffs. That's 96.7%. So you don't usually win 10 in a row unless you are authentically good. And I think the Devils can say that they are. Uh, to add to that, while we're doing some stats here, the Devils are averaging 37 shots a game for and allowing 24 shots against the biggest goal differential since 1959. Shot differential. Shot differential. Yeah. That's what it meant. Since 1959-60. So, again, good hockey club. We've got Mike Kelly coming up, analyst uh, who specializes in those type of numbers uh, that JB just uh, threw us. He does that uh, with the NHL Network and Sport Logic. Uh, Doug McLean later on in the show. We're going to bring him on board. Are we just pretending today? So you're not here tomorrow. I'm Are we pretending it's Friday? Should we do texts and questions? You, What's we can Hi, my name is Doug McLean, and my nickname is Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in the second hour, we got Ken Danico, yeah, and we're going to talk about uh, New Jersey, and he'll solidify that uh, they are they're good. Yeah, they yeah. are good. So, in saying that, uh, what can Sheldon Keith expect tonight out of the New Jersey Devils? Let's start right there. Uh, certainly, is we've had a lot of big. You know, big and tough challenges. Uh, you know, coming into to different games through the season, and this is this is right up there. Obviously, um, they're deep, they're fast, they're skilled. Uh, you know, they're long on defense, and they've been getting good goaltending. So, you know, I look at it. I think the way their lines are set up there now, their top four scores at at five on five are on four different lines. You know, Miles Wood leads their team in five on five goals. He's playing on the fourth line. Um, yeah, so they've got they've got a lot a lot of good things happening offensively, but they certainly with the pace and skill that they play at, they present a lot of challenges. If the Leafs feed their transition game, mm-hmm. they're in big trouble tonight. Yeah, this is a lot of the you need defense from your forwards in the offensive zone. Like, don't let them get up to speed. You know, when they start coming back the other way, being above them. Um, he mentioned Miles Wood. I saw Miles Wood play in the American Hockey League when I was a video coach there, and he stood out like a sore thumb because he's huge and fast. He is, And he owns the walls. He is, so you'll love it because, in my opinion, he's Pierre Engvall with a bad temper or a bad mood. Like, straight-line Pierre Engvall. Like, he similar skill set, size, speed, except works on the walls, does north and south, gets punches people. So, so, <laughs> not, everything so, Engvall so isn't. not Pierre Engvall. Right. Pierre, <laughs> no, he not. might even make less than Pierre Engvall. But it's like the same, it's the exact toolkit to me. Just he uses it more efficiently. Ang- angrierly. Yeah. <laughs> um, factor that in with Nico Hischer. Great two-way player. Right. Who his coach compared to Patrice Bergeron this morning? Hmm. How really? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, that's a nice compliment right there. Jack Hughes <laughs> shoots it in the net. He is and the uh, the best player out of the gate who nobody knows about 
outside of New Jersey is this brat. I yeah. only thought those came out of my house, my kids. <laughs> yes, yes. But there's yes. another brat that's yeah. doing. Is that's, he a point per game guy? I don't have it uh, in front of me, but he's. I mean, he's about a point per game guy. And Theo, the, get up off the floor, stop playing with the dog, and go to school. <laughs> there's, there's all over the drops a voice today. Of, of me talking to one of my brats about 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> That is unbelievable. That's I, I could, you could face. sub out the name, and it's me every single morning. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, that was a, a hit that I did with Gord Stellick once upon a time on the morning show. Can you guys hold on for one second? Yeah, of course. Oh, Theo, get up off the floor, stop playing with a dog, and go to school. <laughs> okay. I love I that you paused the interview and just let him know. <laughs> I had, I, by the way, I had a hand over uh, the speaker, and I thought that uh, I could get away with that without uh, anybody really hearing it. <laughs> I was go? wrong. How'd it go? That didn't go well. Yeah. Didn't go well. Uh but they have that. They have one of those teams that uh, I don't know how long ago you want to say this, but once upon a time, I mean, the Leafs had New Jersey's look. Yes, I was actually going to ask you that. I was like, fast team coming yes. in. Do you still think this is going to be a fast game, or is this like, uh oh, the other team is now fast? Uh, I, I think I don't. I don't think that the Leafs are anywhere near. Uh, the pace of play that New Jersey is. Let's say the earlier iterations of the Leafs. And by the way, this is not to say it was better then, but the earlier iterations of the Leafs with this core, when it was Kasperi Kapanen and, you know, Andreas Janssen and Trevor Moore and a lot of those guys, they even were quick. Mar- even Marlowe too was fast. Yeah, like they just were a fast yeah. team. And I would say now that they are built differently, and I'm, again, yeah. I'm not saying worse, but yeah. they used to be very speedy, quick, 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 and that's not really a thing now. No, but... Maybe the signs out of that first period in Pittsburgh has, is suggesting that the Leafs might be getting a little bit of it back. I I, I saw signs I of face. more of a, a, a strut or a, a, a confidence to, to carry pucks, to make plays, to come through the neutral zone with a little bit more speed. Mm-hmm. We didn't see it over 60 minutes, of course, in Pittsburgh, but right. we did see signs of it that... They might be coming out of something, and if they want to try to, I'm, I'm not even sure they can go toe to toe with a team like New Jersey right now at, at, at the pace of play that they have. But mm-hmm. I really expect a good hockey game here. Yeah, I do too. And you know, we we have seen that the Leafs typically rise up and play well when they play good teams. You know, the the Devils when you talk about their speed, they got a bunch of like defensemen who move it quick and make you look really fast. Like Dougie Hamilton, you know, make that pass and move it quick. Damon Severson, you know, John Marino, Siegenthaler. So it's not just skating. It's going to be a real test, Kipper, to be above, slow them down, play at this pace, and we're going to learn what uh, you know if they can still do the things they used to do as a fast team. Well, one thing that. Uh might help the Leafs tonight is if they can uh, eliminate some of those turnovers in the neutral zone. Uh, Sandine, we had a pretty good discussion about him yesterday. And uh, listen, he's a better player than probably what I described yesterday. Right? Oh, Rasmus? Yes, yeah, Rasmus. Uh, 100%. Yeah. He is a better player. Yeah. And he should be able to kind of settle in here. Mm-hmm. I think Lilligren has passed him. I think we can all agree with that. Yeah. But they they got to get this guy going again. Like, the depth isn't there on that blue line, and yeah. Brody's out. He, they're going to have to find a way to get this guy settled in. 
For sure. And I think this is the perfect time to listen to, to Keith talking about that, getting him going, all that. Let's do the, the first Sandine clip. Well, he's, you know, he hasn't, uh, it hasn't blossomed to the point you'd like it to. And, and you know, I think he's low on confidence at, the, at this time. You know, we need to help him, you know, get back to being himself. Confidence is a strength of his, you know, and, and allows him to, to play his game and feel good about getting involved offensively. And, and as that happens, it just naturally you feel better defensively. So um, I spoke with him again here today just about clearing his head and, you know, getting back to being the player that he knows he can be. Um, you know, it, it hasn't, uh, hasn't come together for him like, like a number of our guys here in early going. You know, it hasn't happened for different reasons, and, and he's won, but he's got, uh, he's got far more to give us here, so we've got to help him find that. I'm fascinated by the idea of confidence is a strength for him. Like, I played with some guys who weren't better than anyone in any particular skill set, but they just were so confident. Uh, cocky would be the word. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm going there. Arrogant, yeah. cocky. It's like, man, you've turned it over eight times. Why are you oh, not no, afraid? Nuts are equal. <laughs> Why are you not afraid to make that play? But confidence can be for certain players, one of their best attributes. Yeah, and it could be the one that keeps you from improving as well uh, because you're too stubborn to... I think you got it. Yeah. I think I'll figure it or out. You, you know, now we're going back to old school, but, you know, sometimes those young rookies would come in, be cocky, and it would be the veteran's job to say, hey, Settle down here. Yeah, you don't and have it figured no, out yet. No, you don't have it figured out. And don't act like it. You're just going to piss off the rest of us, and we'll get you there, and we'll get you there together. But don't mm-hmm. don't come in here and thinking you're 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 better than you are. And yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe if the room. But if that's what makes you good. Yeah, I know it's a fine line. Yeah, it, it is, and I I can't speak of who. From where I'm sitting right now, I can't tell you where that line is for. For Erasmus, but it's not whatever it is. It ain't working for him right now. No, I just don't think you can give it to a person that confidence. Like you know, whether it's playing time or you know, D partners. Like he's just got to play, play through it. Well, he is playing through it. My era, you'd sit your ass down or you're in the stands. They just don't have anyone to do that. You're right, but they don't have that option. Yeah, you know that turnover. And that's really on. That's on. That's on management's. How, how many NHL D-men should you okay. have in a system, though? Like, they have 10, 9. Well, you know. 10 seems like yeah, about the number. Isn't. I mean, part of the reason why you have to throw Sandine out there constantly is because either you, you traded one too many guys or you didn't draft well. Like, they don't – their cupboards are dry. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're empty. They're, it's a Sahara Desert right now <laughs> yeah. when it comes to having – some depth. Yeah, Mac Hollowell is the next guy up right now. So you're gonna you'd rather like, Sandine play through it. And this coach did talk about would, his one turnover. Would, Go ahead. Would Dersey, Sam's buddy out of Owen Sound, look pretty good right now if they Trevor Moore scores a hat trick last yeah, night? But they wouldn't have they wouldn't have Lilligan, Lilligan's contributions if they had. Yeah. A, so it's like one know, or the other. One or the other. Right. Um, We've all thought that Lilligan's been pretty good. So. Pretty sure. good, yep. Trevor Moore, yeah. Trevor Moore. Good player. He looked pretty good right now. Uh, half, yeah. Playing on Tavares' line. 18 and a half minutes. That guy averages in L.A. 
That's one that got away too. He's got a nose for the net. Like he just, he's one of those guys that just scores. He just is built. I know he's only going back. Maybe he knows I'm, I'm going back out there. There's just, Mm -hmm. there's that, there's not, there's no fear right now that he, you know, if he, if he does something, he gets the one thing that means the most to him taken away and that's ice time. But you know what? I always hated when a coach would take away ice time based on one physical error, like Sandine's turnover. You know, the one that goes on Sidney Crosby's stick. Is that the only scores. one you've seen all no, season? No, 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 And that's the thing is if it's a lot and it's a pattern, fine. But, you know, when you have the one glaring one, you say, well, that's, you know, you made a mistake, sit down. It's yeah. like, to me, it's process, not results. And it, that, unfortunately, has been a part of his process, that, that one. So on this ending uh, turnover, we had mentioned uh, the other day on the show that uh, I try to freeze it three times to find out where exactly yeah, he was going. And I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't find it. Uh, Sheldon Keep, they they've got a forensic team. Uh, they listen to us and they said, "Tell these the, idiots." Part of the staff at uh, MLSE is they've got a forensic team to find those sorts of things, uh, and apparently he did find it. Uh, and let's listen to Sheldon talk about what he discovered with his forensic findings. No, I, it's the right play. I watched that a hundred times to see what he's thinking there, and it's. You know, Pittsburgh's on a line change, and and uh, Aston Reese is wide open in the middle of the ice to get us going very quickly the other way. And you, that's a play that normally he would he would hit, and all of our defensemen would hit with a high degree of success. You know, he just rolls off the back of his heel. Sometimes it happens, and unfortunately, when it happens, and then on that line change, you know, Crosby comes on the ice and, and walks into one. So that's uh, obviously. Very unfortunate, unlucky in that circumstance, but that's a play that he and all of our defense have the ability to make, and we need them to make it when we're that wide open. You know, the forwards are presenting their stick and wanting the puck and want to get going. Um, we got to get it there, but um, obviously it didn't happen for him, but we need him to shake that off and you know, keep playing, which I thought he did a good job of. Okay. It took me, I tried three times and I quit. Mm-hmm. He did admit he saw. He, he needed to watch it a hundred times. Ninety-seven additional times <laughs> to hear attempt. Ninety-seven <laughs> times he had to watch yeah. it before he figured it out yeah. where he was going. Czar. He almost had czar for a breakaway. Yeah, I mean, you know how bad it feels when you make you commit to something and you miss it off the heel. If he gets one percent more of that, it goes outside the blue line. It's offside. Don't know if we're talking about it today. Alas, there is no alternate universe. Two days later. You want to yeah. you want to get a quick uh, comment yes. out of Sheldon on Nick Robertson, who unfortunately uh, can't find a way to get back in the lineup. He's healthy. Let's hear. Well, at this point, it's probably it's probably what others don't do. Um, bring Holmberg in. We want to give him a look at center. We want to have a natural center back in there. The last time we brought Holmberg up, he didn't get much of an opportunity beyond that one game, and, and uh, you know, we wanted to to get uh, Homer back in and get a look at that and allows us to put Engvall back on the wing and and just like the way that that flows but we're monitoring it every day we don't want to have Nick sitting for too long but um you know the group I like the way that it flowed the other night it'll be challenged in a different way here tonight um but we want to give Pontus a, a good look here and, and kind of keep keep players in their natural positions for now okay all I got out of that is uh other guys have to really suck before you're getting back in that's what he just said. That that is verbatim. No, not verbatim. That is what he what implied. What would you say? <laughs> you do here. You know, it, it, it is mid-November, and he's going. 
you know, we wanted to give Pontus a good look, and it's like that wasn't wow. the plan for Nick Robertson. Like Imagine waiting that. for Pont, you know, Pontus Holmberg to play bad enough to get in. Imagine that quote after his debut game where he popped two, yeah, including the overtime winner against his brother. It's like ah, listen, like I know how they pour through video after a game. And they break it up into pieces and all the coaches do it. They would have watched this guy's every shift. They're not meanies for the sake of being meanies. They want him in the lineup and scoring goals. They want him to be good. You know, it's in the team's best interest to have another offensive guy who skates and all that. He, he cannot, There's a reason he's not in. He can't, he can't win Sheldon over right now. Is he winning you over? Say, yeah, you no. know, make it sound like it's about no. one guy. No. No. But... It, it helps when you've got someone that uh, believes in you, and I'm not sure Sheldon's yeah. there on Nick Robertson. And, you know, I mean, Trevor Moore's not a Leaf anymore because they didn't like him either, you know? I mean, once you, get, once, uh, once you get into that uh, headspace that someone's just not your guy, even a, even a good game, two games, a good week, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah but do it wait. every day. But wait, yeah. wait, just wait. It'll the the shoe will drop. Yeah. And I just think now Nick Robertson's at that point where, you know, he's just gonna have to find a way to get out of here. Out of Toronto, Nick Robertson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I, I, no, I, no, I, no. I, I don't. I don't think it'll ever work out really with Sheldon. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's quite the bold thing. Now we got Mike, right? Mike yeah, here. Yeah, we got Mike. <laughs> we got Mike here. No, yeah. you you think there's there's plenty of. Time for him to get just, back into this line, uh, getting Sheldon's good books and and hold a spot. I just don't think he's been good enough for them to get out of here, right? Like they would want to see a run a good play so they could turn him into value back rather than just yeah. Well, didn't Tragos write an article when he scored his <laughs> his goals? Tragos uh, had it right. right? The day trade happened. him right now <laughs> and hang up. Trade me now and hang up. Uh, All right, let's go to Mike Kelly. Well, let's pick up that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, after the break. Mike, how are you? I'm doing good. Kepper, how are you? Well, we're doing okay. How, how are the the numbers been treating you over the first, what, 15, 16 games for a lot of hockey clubs? Oh, it's good. I mean, at the start of the season, it's it's really the easiest time to kind of bust narratives because the samples are small and some teams get off to a slow start record-wise, but you see they're playing well. And it's easy to say, okay, watch them. Watch them. They're going to, you know, start winning games and vice versa. Um, it gets harder as the season goes on uh, and you have more of a sample and then you got to balance the whole season versus the last few games and try to find the signal in there. But um, yeah, easy to be right at the start of the year. So JB's told us the other day, there's a lot of good numbers for the Leafs top 10, this other stuff that <laughs> where are they with you is a, uh, is a nine and five and three uh, suggest, or at least their last five games suggest that this team's ready to break out because they've got a very hot hockey club coming in tonight. And I think they're going to have to be at their very best to, uh, to slow down the devils. I'm with you on that. Um, you know what? I don't think the, the once again, just like last year, the Leafs started kind of slow in terms of their record and things looked a little better in terms of how they were playing. And then they went on this big heater last year, right? Uh, I don't know that the heater is going to be coming not to the degree of last season because yeah, the numbers underneath look better and, and had looked better than what they were getting for a little bit, but they weren't elite and they're not elite still in the way that they were last year, especially offensively. Um, 
you know, this is a team last season that was top five in a lot of real key areas, quality shots, expected goals, different chance types, things like that. Um, and they're kind of hovering around, you know, ninth, tenth, middle of the pack in a lot of these areas now. So still good, still better than most. Um, but I offensively don't know that they're what they were last year. Well, that's, that's an interesting point, you know, specifying offensively they're not what they were. Uh, you know, I think there's still this reputation out there that the Leafs are high-flying offense. They'll run and gun with you. Uh, you know, is not the case in terms of raw goals this year. W- when you look at this team, do they look, uh, like, better defensively than offensively? Have, have they flipped the narrative of, uh, you know, their public perception versus what they really are? Well, you guys are in the market. Um they've been a good defensive team for about three years now, yeah. like top 10 defensive team um, in terms of what they allow and everything. And then the goaltending's kind of fluctuated, but they don't give up a ton. Uh, part of that is that they, you know, have the puck in the ozone a lot and, and are good offensively. Um, but they're not, a, they're not a bad defensive team. They haven't been for a few years. So that part of it's still been good. They've been giving up a lot in transition and not really creating as much as before either. So that up and down game hasn't worked in their favor. Um, I'll shamelessly uh, plug myself here. I'm, I'm doing a hit in the pregame show with you guys and David Amber tonight talking about you better watch out for that with New Jersey um, because <laughs> as far as getting up and down the ice, they do it better than anybody this year. And uh, that's not so much the least game anyways. But, yeah, they've been good defensively. The goaltending is kind of surprisingly given the injuries and what we were thinking. It's It's been fine, I think. Um and then they just haven't been that dominant offensive team, even though they've still been pretty good. Devils, the best shot differential from any team since NHL began tracking uh, shots, which is oh remarkable. I, uh, 37.2, four, and allowing just 24.5. So is this all goaltending, or is it a revamped uh, defense blue line uh, that Fitzgerald's put together? Um, I love what they've done with their blue line. I think that deserves a lot of credit. It's a good point by you. And, uh, you know, Dougie Hamilton's a star defenseman, and he's great. Jonas Siegenthaler has been one of the best defensive defensemen in the league for a while. Um, probably not a lot of Leaf fans that know yeah, much about him. Nobody knows him. Well, if he played in Toronto, they'd be clamoring to name, uh, you know, a Rod Langway-type award just so they could get uh, a Leaf winning an award like that <laughs> because he, he's a great shutdown D guy. Um, John Marino, good pickup. Uh, so they, they've got good defense, but it's their team game to me that, that really does it. Like they're number one in expected goals against. So just what they allow uh, volume and, and quality, and they give up very little in any different chance type. And that's something I always pay attention to. It's not just, you know, are you really good at, at killing plays in your own end? Or, or if you're really good in all those areas and they are, um, you can slip a little bit in your game one way or another. Like Kipper, you played on some of the real top teams in, in the league uh, in your career. There were times, I'm sure, where maybe you didn't have your legs, maybe your outlet passes weren't crisp, you couldn't create offense a certain way. Hung you over. could do it in other ways. <laughs> Hung over, yeah. Oh, guilty hockey can get you by a little bit. So, <laughs> There's a, there um, needs to be a stat for guilty hockey. Yeah, oh, I'd had a few games in, the, in that shape. Yeah, so, yeah. But, but yeah, no, Jersey's legit. Um, and you know, what I'll be talking about tonight is just watch the way they break pucks out, how they use the middle of the ice. Um, man, it's crisp and it's fast. And you guys are talking about Sandine and turnovers and all that, right? Yeah. If the Leafs turn the puck over inside their own red line against this team, they are in for a long night. 
Oh, boy. Well, this sounds like fun. By the way, I see uh, the, the Devils are like plus 120 tonight if you are a betting person. Just uh, seems like a decent line for someone out there. Um, you know, looking around the league right now, it's a lot of streakiness, eh? Like a lot of teams, the, the Blues started, what, 3-0, and lost a ton in a row, what, 8 in a row? They've won 4 in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to make sense of who's any good with all this streakiness. The Sabres kind of did a, a similar thing. So, like, St. Louis... Buffalo, those two teams, are either of them good, bad, or are they just somewhere in the middle and having weird runs? If I had to pick one to be better this year, it'd be St. Louis. Yeah. Um, Buffalo starts hot every year. This is four years in a row they've done this. Yeah. Um, and then go on these slides. But the Sabres had a lot of you know underlying things that were not looking very good for them. Philly, to me, was the most glaring one. They, they got off to, what, it was 7-3-1 and one or something, or 7-4. Uh, it was crazy. And, and they... The Carter Hart, man, he was the story. So um, St. Louis is a funny one, though. And I, I would, same thing as you. I was at the NHL Network last week, and we're trying to figure out what the heck is this team because kind of like Pittsburgh, when they're winning, they're actually playing really well, and we know the brand of hockey of both of those teams, what, how, how they're successful. But it's not like they were losing just because, you know, their goalie had off nights or they played well but just got beat by a better team. Like, they would look bad. They looked really bad. Um, and the Blues didn't look like themselves at all. So I think they missed Saad for a bit. Um, I think they're six and two when he's in the lineup. They were missing Buchnevich. Kairou, man, I got the guy on my fantasy team. He was at like three goals, no apples, and dash 17. He was killing me. So, and I love, I, I, I love that guy as a player. He's awesome. I'm, I'm shocked. Is he Greek? You like the I'm Greek shocked. guy? There you go. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I got to do my research. I don't know. Yeah. I got to go find Kairou, his family so. tree. Um, yeah, but they're looking more like themselves lately. So I think they're fine. We're joined by Mike Kelly, uh, analytics analyst with the NHL Network and Sports Logic. Mike, we had a conversation the other day on on Austin Matthews, and for whatever reason, we still not we have not seen this guy anywhere near peak performance uh, like last year. And uh, what what are you seeing? Are, are are the numbers relatively the same outside of the the, the puck going into the net? What's different a year later for you? Yeah, his, uh, it's not too different. Uh, although when he really wasn't scoring in, in the beginning, um, he wasn't getting to kind of those areas, even the high slot, but certainly the net front at the same frequency as he was last year. That'll explain some of it. Um, and then when he started to score, when he got a few goals uh, quickly, um, you look at where they came from. They came from around the net. Um, so he's an elite high slot scorer. Nobody really scores regularly from outside the dots above circles um, in, in that way, but he can score from, you know, top of circles regularly, which most guys can't. Uh, but it was getting inside, getting into that, that inner slot area that um, he wasn't doing as much. So he goes there a bit and he gets rewarded and gets some goals, but, you know, he's still got seven goals in what, 17 games, which is good. Um, he scored at a crazy rate last year. There were a lot of guys that did. Um, you know, maybe 50 to 55 is where Austin really should be. Maybe 60 was kind of the peak peak of it. Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, he, he's still getting good looks and um, is kind of, you know, I just I wonder if the ceiling was real, real high last year um, for him to get back to that. We know he can go on a heater too, right? He could score. Oh, yeah. 10 in his next eight games and, and we're having a different conversation, but just watching him uh, still gets a lot of chances, which is the thing that you want to see um, wh- whether they go in or not, or how often they go in. 
there's a, a guy in the net that helps determine that, unfortunately, which is part of it too. Mike, I, I wrote an article yesterday, which I think you came across on. It was good. Uh, thank you on Netfront Play and how with smaller, more mobile D in today's NHL, there seems to be some advantage to be gleaned from just parking it in front of the net like the good old days and forcing the smaller guys to try to move you. I don't know if there's anything statistically or in your opinion even to, to say that that is accurate or inaccurate. What are your thoughts on, on sort of the absence of net front play and, and where value could be found in today's game? Yeah, a good article. Go to sportsnet.ca and read it. I'll plug you Thanks, now Mike. that I plugged myself <laughs> earlier. Um, Take it. But uh, it, so that's, that's interesting. And I did something somewhat kind of similar uh, a little while back at the NHL Network, where I looked at um, less about defense, but more about forwards that get shots from there most often. And, you know, five years ago, whatever, it used to be Pat Maroon and Anders Lee and Wayne Simmons, and you know the kind of players that I'm talking about, yeah. right? And there's still some of that today, but what you see a lot of now today, like William Nylander gets there a lot, Sebastian Ajo gets there a lot, and it's a lot of guys popping in and out as opposed to guys standing there. Mm-hmm. So I think as offenses have changed and if there's more fluidity in the zone, right? You got D going low and forwards going high and everyone's moving. Um, there's kind of less of that probably schematically. Um, but to your point, I, I like it where there's a lot of D now that can't move guys out of the way. And what really fascinates me about all of it is you look at the teams that have won cups and it's not, you know, a perfect scientific exercise, but, some of the final teams in the playoffs the last handful of years, they got D that can skate and they have D that are big. And I'm still not seeing the team with, you know, small D, um, you know, doing well overall. So that, like the, the, the leaps right style. here are the perfect example. They mm-hmm. are, they're not big. They're not mean. They're not tough. They're just, some of them have some skill, but I think it's hurt the team. Yeah, so I would be I'd be concerned in a seven game playoff series for sure. But like they they don't give up a ton of chances, rebounds, even um, inner slot shots, those kind of things that you maybe expect from a team that can't move guys out of the way or can't deal with it. Seven game playoff series, like Kipper, you know this better than any of us, uh, can be a little yeah. different in that regard, right? Like, would you be more worried about them if it's seven games against a like, Tampa or a Boston or teams like yes, that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Okay. All right. Hey, great stuff, Mike. Really appreciate your time, man. Anytime. Enjoy the game tonight. It's going to be fun. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Appreciate it. Yeah, I've not caught up to your article, but I will. Uh, yeah. Definitely. So who do you have in mind? Like, who are the numbers? Like, which guys are you talking about? That Bunting uh, is exactly the guy I'm talking about. The, that doesn't have to sit there and battle, but he no, can't. No, he, but he should be there a lot because you're... More? Able, yeah. Or just is he in there at the... At the uh, in, in the right amount. Yeah. So when he said, I think the other, before he scored the other night, he said he needed to be there more. Okay. And I agree with him that he needs to be there more. But I use the example on yesterday's show, Mitch Marner against uh, Pittsburgh went there and he drew by two himself. Def- by himself. He drew two defenders. John Tavares suddenly yeah. had room. And, you know, the price Mitch paid was he got knocked on his bum bum and he was yeah. fine. You know, and I think that that is part of what. But not the, everybody wants to go there, right? But this is the thing is that you don't pay the price you used to. You know, it's not because in today's NHL, the D can't take a hand off a stick. They can't slash your hands. You yeah. can't hook anyone. Oh, my anyone. gosh. Chris Pronger. 
Like, kill you. I can't even tell you the number of sticks that he's broken on yeah. my back. Well, his, his whole career. Was that, oh, my God. Guys in front well, of the net. These guys used to have a radius in front of the net. Yeah. It was Darian but, Hatcher. But it, it, it does, in the playoffs, it plays out differently than it does during the regular 100%. season. Yep. And Mike kind of talked about that, that it does. Mm-hmm. It's more old school than it ever is during what game from one to 84. Totally, totally. Which is when you look at two seasons, that's when you're building a team. You want to keep that in mind that you need yeah. some guys that can battle in front of the net. Cause I use the example of when you played yeah. the, the type of D that I would think of at net front were Darian Hatcher and Craig Ludwig and Ulf Samuelson uh, and Jeff, Bukaboom you know, like you imagine going to stand there and now you go stand in the net in front yeah. of you for the Leafs, and it's Sandine and Riley and Lilligren and yes. Hall, and you know it, you're allowed to be there now, and but so you can share that ice. Is there any, you know, it just feels like so much less of the game is played there, like in terms of That's guys. Exactly what the article's yeah, about. Like, well, yeah, I just mean like, there's because guys less bombs from the point that guys are trying to get in front of. I feel like that part of the game's gone away a little bit too. Well, like just a lot less about, of the game is played. Think about there. when 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 the Leafs do have those ozone moments. Mm-hmm. It's a cycle. It's uh like they're really picking their spots. Whereas, you know, my era, it was get it back to the point and go to the net. Get it there and, and bang they're it, like, it, yeah. no, 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 no. We'll go there when we want to go there. Right. So we might. Loop, we might. How many yeah. times have we seen Willie just, you know, around the world in the offensive just looking zone? looking for a way in, waiting and for the, the lane to open up. When it does open up, then we're going to wait for our one opportunity. Yes. But it's going to be like a one and done. It's not going to be standing there and hammer it out, right. to your point. So the inspiration for this was Dan Orlovsky, uh, NFL guy, was a former quarterback, was talking about the NFL. And he was saying how, uh, remember back in the day, D lineman used to be like 350 huge men and they were called space eaters and you couldn't run the ball up the gut because they were so big but then they got leaner and quicker so they could get to the quarterback and cover sideline to sideline and now those guys are quite a bit smaller and now you can run it up the gut again you know you didn't used to be able to so rush yards are highest ever in nfl history per game because power runs are up you can go back to it because these guys are mobile but they're not as big so you can go back to doing that because defenders got smaller and more mobile like in the NHL, where they're smaller and more mobile, defensemen in the NHL are down about 10 pounds on average per player from yeah. 15 years ago. Well, we got Ken Danico uh, uh, in the second hour, and we'll talk about how his blue line was built in the era of the Stevens and the a really Danicos. Good and, uh, you know, I, I mentioned uh, just earlier about uh, Fitzgerald revamping this blue line. What's he do? He goes and spends uh, the owner's money over sixty million, and he goes gets a six foot six defenseman in Dougie Hamilton. And I'm not—I was yeah. never a huge Doug Hamilton fan. There are times when I think he he might play a little smaller than his six foot seven yeah. frame, but so far he's having a great year, and the overall feel of that blue line is is really led by him. Mm-hmm. And last time I checked, eh, ten game winning streak. Anytime, any place during a regular season. It's a good thing. It's actually funny. So talking about Dougie, I was looking at this, the biggest NHL D-man and kind of going through the list for examples. Dougie Hamilton's not that partic- not that tough or physical or mean, right? Uh, Owen Powers, a new guy who's in there. Not, not Tyler Myers is one of them. Um, you think of the biggest guys, Colton Pareko, Victor Hedman. Yeah. These guys are not going to punch your nose through the back of your head. That's just not the way they play. They're amazing players, but it's just different was the point. And it makes for a new type of offense. If you go back to power a bit, I think there's yeah. something to be gained. Yeah. And, you know, there's something to be said too 
when they moved the blue line, right? More ozone room to actually And you think of that, maneuver. yeah. There you go. Yeah. On your next article. Or yours. Okay. We're going <laughs> to take a quick break. We got uh, Doug McLean on a Thursday. Uh, I will be off tomorrow. Yes. So we just figured we'll bring the Bunk. crusty old guy. Bunk uh, in the house now. tomorrow. Oh, J.D. You Bunkus. Got, you might not have to show up tomorrow then. <laughs> He'll just talk for two hours. Me, Sammy, and J.D. All right. Hawking Leafs. I can't wait to hear all about it on Monday. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll be late <laughs> yeah, tomorrow, right? Kevin? Golfing in yeah. Carolina. All right. A quick break. Doug McLean after the break. Uh, Real Kipper and Born. More to go. As promised, special ed- Thursday edition with Doug McLean. Mm-hmm. What am I hearing in the background? Oh, I just have the stock market on here, so I'm just trying to turn it down. <laughs> Are you that concerned about your cash? Uh, I'm not concerned about my cash, no. All right. I'm concerned about my investment. Well, I'm concerned difference. about my investments. Okay, are you... You're... No, it's not the same. <laughs> Remember, it's... Cash is king, you know yeah, that. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Let me rephrase that. Uh... Well, the difference between you know... me and you, which is a big difference, is... Millions. Uh, I'm now... I'm now on fixed income. You know, I don't have a job, so there's a big difference. You young guys that are still working, it's different, but I have to plan, you know, because of being on fixed pensions, you know. Stop buying RVs, for God's sakes. <laughs> that would help your fixed income. Hey, Mac, uh, today I wrote an article in the Toronto Star. Uh, I figured it's American Thanksgiving, and it's time to accept the Maple Leafs for what they are. And that is, like what a, are they like? Like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, they're they're a pretty good team. Everybody knows that. Um, they've got some flaws. Everybody knows that. Uh, they've been sort of, uh, you know, mixed reviews on them, hot and cold. Uh, good one night, average the next. Like a lot, like a lot of teams in the NHL. If the truth was known. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are like them, the way they play. Um, so, so yeah, okay, I mean, so still they, they, team. in your world, then they have as good a, as a chance as anyone to win a Stanley Cup. Then that's what you're telling me. No, I didn't say that. I said that the <laughs> way they play is like a lot of teams in the league play. You know, I mean, look, I mean, Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, um, Florida, all the team Rangers, all the teams that are Tampa Bay. Tell me of all those teams, which you could say a few are contenders, Colorado, who has been really consistent? Who has been that consistent? Boston Bruins have been. I didn't list them, you know, because <laughs> they have been, they have been consistent. You know, they have been the one or two or three consistent teams in the league. Actually, you're playing one tonight. Um, but you know what? So yeah, they get the, they get the spotlight because they're in Toronto, but, we know they have flaws. You know, we know their blue line's not good enough right now to be a playoff contender. We still don't know if their goaltending is good enough to be a, a playoff contender. Both goaltenders were horrible last year. Uh, so how do you say they're a contender with that? Both of them have been spotty this year. So, you know, there's flaws there, but lots of teams do. But the, the complicating thing to me, which I get a kick out of is, 
all of a sudden New Jersey are, looked like a team that could make the playoffs at 13 and three. I mean, they just have to go 500 the rest of the season and they're in. And, you know, so that complicates the situation of somebody's going to miss, somebody's going to miss the playoffs that were a pretty good team last year. And then mm-hmm. the Islanders probably could get in, which means there could be two teams that don't get in. And I haven't even mentioned Ottawa think they're going to get in. So, you know, it could, it could be a real good race yet before it's over because of these, I mean, Detroit's still a bit of a surprise. Philly's a bit of a surprise, but you know, they're finding their level right now. Some of them. What do you think of these teams these days, like New Jersey being one of them where I think, you know, they're small and skilled and fast and offensive, and it helps you win a lot of hockey games. But, you know, we've talked about there being different seasons, playoffs versus the regular season. And, you know, I think New Jersey reminds me of Toronto a few years ago where the construction is built to be really tough to play, but I'm not so sure tough to play in the postseason. Do do you think the game will evolve to a place where you can win cups, that the physical element is not that important, or is it just always going to be a crucial part of hockey? I think it's always going to be a crucial part because of what's on the line. You know, I think in the regular season, speed, skill is terrific. But I think when it's really, when it really becomes critical to win, it, it that intensity level creates the physicalness for me. But, you know, I, I like what you said about how they're structured. And I, I mean, look at, look at this team right now, Graves, Good defenseman who plays 22, 23 minutes a game for them. Came from the Stanley, you know, Colorado. Hamilton, over 20 minutes a night. The other kid, uh, Marino, tw- over 20 minutes a night. Sa- Severson, almost 20 minutes a night. Siegenhaller, almost 20 minutes a night. And Brendan Smith, who couldn't play in, a, in some places, is playing 15 minutes. That's, that's a pretty good blue line right there. Right. It's a shutdown blue line, but it also... Great. So I really like how they're structured on the back end, to be quite honest. And I love their speed and, and skill up front. I, and they haven't had Palat. They haven't had Palat, uh, you know, for a good majority of the season, who's, who we know is a hell of a two-way, solid playoff performer. So, yeah, you're, your comment about structure, I like how this team's structured. And I haven't even mentioned the, the 21, 22, and 23-year-old kids that are in their lineup when you go from Brat to Mercer to Hisher to Hughes to Sutherland and then some solid veterans in Wood and a few of them. I, I like what Tommy Tommy Fitz has done there with this team in a short period of time. Did anyone ever make you uh, T-shirts in Columbus that said, Sorry, Mac, like we see Sorry, Lindy? No, but I had people yell at me up at my box to jump. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! That's oh God! I hope I, I hope that wasn't on a button or a T-shirt. Um, quite quite the turnaround from Fire Lindy, of course, the head coach of the New Jersey Devils, to Sorry Lindy. Um, I love it. How, how much smarter did he get in a very short period of time? Well, it's funny. I, I have to, you know, I, obviously we worked together in Florida. He was my assistant coach and he's, you know, for a few years and I've, I've sort of, we've stayed in touch over the years and he's a good man. And I felt for him that opening night. Let me tell you, I felt for him and his family, but I love how he, ha- <clears throat> how he handled it when he said, you know, uh, yeah, I accept their apology. You know, uh, he, <laughs> Lindy Ruff, most people don't realize 
has got one of the greatest sense. A lot of his players don't realize this, but this guy has got a great sense of humor, a great sense of humor. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'll never forget. Uh, we, we were talking about our team missing, uh, you know, breakaways and penalty shots. So Lindy does a video of Robbie Niedemeyer skating in on a, on a penalty shot and scoring. And then as he turned the corner, it was Lindy in a Buffalo uniform with his arms up and <laughs> the two videos <laughs> together, you know, saying, Hey, you know, I used to score on penalty shots, boys, when I was with the Sabres, you know? So anyway, it, you know, I'm happy for him and they've got a good team. They play, they, they put a ton of shots on that, like, 38 shots against Montreal in Montreal the other night in Edmonton, 30 plus high thirties in, in Edmonton last week. I mean, this team is firing everything at the net. So it'll be a good test for, for Murray tonight then, with, this, with the way these guys take it to you. Didn't you take Lindy Ruff uh, to a country bar and put him up on a mechanical horse or something? What was that story? And I don't know. Did he pull his groin or something? Well, <laughs> Yeah, that was my first training camp, and my first is Lindy is my assistant. So we go to this. We're in Greensboro, South Carolina, for training camp. My first training camp as a head coach. We go out to this bar, country bar. Lindy is a you know he's a cowboy. He's from Alberta, you know, cocky cowboy. And so he gets on the mechanical bull, and of course, me and uh, Dwayne Sutter stand there watching him, who was my other assistant. All of a sudden, Lindy comes tumbling off the bowl <laughs> with a pulled groin. Couldn't go on the ice. Couldn't go on the ice in training camp because he had a pulled groin. And Brian Murray's saying, "Like, how do you get injured? Obviously, you three are married. You wouldn't be dancing. So, how would you get injured at this bar?" <laughs> That's anyway, tremendous. we had fun. I, you know, I, a lot of I, I was curious looking like going into this year, you look at who's on the bench for him. Andrew Burnett's beside him who last year, you know, they're the president's trophy champions in Florida before he ends up losing his job. Do assistant coaches and a guy like Burnett, I'm not accusing Burnett of this, but would you ever look at a team and say, there's a coach who's probably next to get fired. Here's an opportunity for me. Would you ever be cherry picking opportunities as an assistant thinking maybe the head coach would get fired? Well, I I don't know if if Lindy hired him. Yeah, that's but that's... I highly doubt. I but I highly doubt it. And I, I didn't. I have never asked Lindy if he did, and Lindy wouldn't tell me probably. Um, but come on, that 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 move pissed me off. To be quite honest, I got to tell you that. I well, it's like, like we got it, another guy behind you if you're not great, it's, right? Uh, right. Uh, it's exactly right. And I, I thought it really came across as a bad look. And Tommy Fitz is a, is a great friend and played for me in Florida. And I love the guy. And I can't believe, um, you know, I, and I know he and Lindy are tight. So I, I, I don't know where that sort of came from, but it caught me off guard. It really did. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if Andrew and Lindy have a relationship before that. I don't know, but I, that move surprised me. It really did. And that's, that's what everybody in the hockey world, no, nobody in the hockey world did not paint it as what you guys just painted it as. Right. <laughs> Message so, sending you know. seems to be a lot of it going around the national hockey league. And uh, most recently we've heard from uh, a new general manager in San Jose, Mike Greer talking about, uh, 
the potential of hearing uh, the trade talks with Carlson, Eric Carlson. Uh, Carlson did respond, did he not? JB. Yeah, he had a comment today that he basically said, well, no one's talked said anything to me, so why why, why would I even think about it? Do you see, yeah, anything, message- do you see anything happening here, Mac, with an, a guy that has four more years at $11.5 million? Yeah, well, it, make, it would make a 100% uh, positive situation for the San Jose Sharks to try to do everything they can to move this guy. Why would they not? They're not going to win anything. They're they're in a rebuild with a new general manager who's got a you know some time on his hands, um, and you know with Carlson at his age and the injuries he's had, and the eleven million. Why would you not try to get him out of there? Why would you not try to clean up that that mess, financial mess and get some prospects back? I mean, it destroyed them. The prospects they gave up to get him. I mean, look at what Ottawa. It hasn't reaped benefits for Ottawa yet, but it certainly will. The kids they got in that deal helped turn Ottawa or should turn Ottawa around. Um, the very loyal um, general manager there. Um, you know, I, so I'd try to get move them. Definitely would. Um, and get some prospects. How would it have gone over with your owner if you would have said, listen, uh, we own... 44 million whatever it is we're gonna we're gonna pay him 22 and a half to uh go play somewhere else is that a good thing for for an owner to hear i uh i i, I can uh, save you 22 bought million. An, I, bought out, I bought out andrew castles okay and it cost us i think four hundred thousand. And he lost it. <laughs> lost it. 400000 I said, no, no, we're replacing him with a guy that's going to make less. It's going to save us money. I don't care. You just pissed away 400000 of my money. He did not like it. Trust me, he didn't like it. But those days have changed. Now, I'll recall another one on trade deadline. We owed uh, Sador $8 million, I believe it was. Daryl Sora was a hell of a defenseman for us. Yeah, he was in good. Columbia. He good was career. good player, and ownership wanted him out. They wanted him moved because of the money. And you know what? I, I can't say I disagreed because we weren't going anywhere. So we traded him to Tampa Bay, and uh, he goes to Tampa Bay. And I remember phoning Daryl to tell him he was traded, and he was devastated. He was absolutely devastated at the trade because he loved Columbus and he loved being there and his family. So he goes to Tampa. I get Svitov, who was a 21 year old, big, strong center who Hitchcock loved. It actually played really well for Hitchcock and they let him go a couple of years later, but he was a really looked like he had a chance to be a pretty good player. And Sidor won the Stanley cup, you know, so we, it worked we out pretty well. Around. What's the right amount and for an owner to be involved? We got rid of the eight point. Yeah, we got rid of the eight point eight million. It really, really helped my career. Tell you that. <laughs> well, that's really, good. Really did wonders for it. So, Mac, what's the right amount for an owner to be involved? Like everyone's talking about Ottawa and Ryan Reynolds, and you know, you hear all the stories about you know Aquilini in Vancouver and his influence on the coaching decisions, and you know, how much should these guys be involved? And I don't think the answer is not at all. But you would have a much better sense than than I would. Oh no, they're involved. They're involved league wide because or. Well, you know what? 
very few of them aren't really, really involved. Really? Don't don't ever kid yourself. I mean, like I used to have them coming to me. Well, his barber told them something, and his accountant <laughs> told them something. <laughs> like I mean, but no, that this is that's the way it is. And anybody in the NHL that thinks their owners are not involved, they're wrong. They're mm-hmm. wrong. They are, and this is this whole analytics thing. A huge part of that is right from the owners. They think that you know they they think that's a way for them to learn the game and be more in tune with the game, and that's why they love it so much because so many of them have that type of background. So look, it's it, it, they're involved, and anybody that thinks they're not is not in touch with what's going on. Hey, Mac. The higher their value and their investment goes, the more they get involved. Is Jeremy Jacobs, is he involved so. in Boston? Oh, my God. He runs the league, Bow. Oh, my God. <laughs> he Tell me he's involved. <laughs> yeah. no, but you know you what think I'm joking? Well, oh, yeah. Just, just think about this. Just think about this. My owner, paid, my owner paid $80 million for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Okay? If I'm not mistaken, last week they were uh, valued at $675 million. And I know in our first year, we made $22 million profit, our first year in the league. Wow. That was two, in 2000, we made $22 million wow. profit. That's a nice return. And, and in the sixth year, or in, you know, I mean, but what happened was we had a $17 million payroll. Then when we went to $39 million payroll, which was the most it was, I think, or 37 when I was there, all of a sudden we were making 150, 200,000. So, the revenue stayed pretty similar, but the cost of business went up. But I mean, they're involved. It's just it's that much money to to all of them that they're involved. Not a not a chance they're not. Hey, on this um, fixed income, how much is uh, Jill allowed to spend a day? <laughs> Daily per diem. Yeah, in a, got, little, a yellow diem? envelope. You, you give her a yellow envelope. <laughs> Uh, at breakfast, you, uh, you 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 have the right question, but it's to the wrong person. It's the wrong direction. Yeah. How, how much is Jill allowed? How much Doug do to you spend? get in a yellow envelope from Jill? That's that. It, it's 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 like when I was a, a general manager and I'd get my meal money check. It was the most exciting day of the of the, of the week. The Same as you when you played, you know. Oh, for yeah. sure. Okay, man. Anyway, What's up good. for the rest of the day? Uh pretty. Busy day. I've got to go pick up a car. Friend of mine's car at the garage for him as a favor, and that's uh, that's. Then I'm going to have a couple of glasses of wine, and I'm going to watch the Leafs in Jersey. So it's a it's a bit of that busy night. Sounds hectic. God, we want your life. <laughs> <laughs> Doug McLean. Eighty nine the other day. I wasn't very happy. I had an eighty nine. What about these idiots? I sent out a tweet last week saying. You know, I'm excited watching the Leafs and that I enjoyed my, uh, I was enjoying my 85 from this morning. Everybody thought it was my birthday, thought I was 85, those idiots. <laughs> I was talking about my damn golf game. What Everybody a, was shooting your age, way to go. They know those idiots. What you, you ever you thought later. about the, the, da- the David Poyle and then just changing your hair color? I said that to David Poyle one time. Really? I said, we're at a meeting and. I went. I was at a meeting. David's all of a sudden. Day. I worked for David when he had. He was as gray at thirty-five as he is. You know. So anyway, I said to David, I said, David, what's going on? Your hair's going brown and mine's going gray. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> anyway, all right, good man. Go and uh, help your friend and um, have a glass of wine for us. 
Hey, guys, I really appreciate you having me on. <laughs> Thanks, Mac. We appreciate it. Thanks. Doug McLean, everybody. So we go on the longest road trip in the American Hockey League, mm-hmm. like 17, 18 days. Yeah. And they give me uh, my yellow envelope. The best day. And it's, I don't know, at the time, like, I don't know, 700 bucks or something. Yeah. And you know that uh, where, the, where the window stops and then there's just a panel, mm-hmm. but then there's a space where the air conditioning comes up mm-hmm. on the bus? Sure. And I put my little yellow envelope <sighs> on that, uh, that ledge <laughs> right down. Come on. And I'm like, oh, no problem. I'm going to. Go grab that. No, I'm going to go tell the bus driver. He's going to tell me how I can get the panel off and get my 700 bucks. I tell him, you know, my envelope went down and he started laughing his ass off. <laughs> like, you're, he goes, you're, you're, you know what, out of luck, my friend. No way. Oh, yeah. Now I'm starting the road trip. No money. No money. Did you ever get the money? Never. Oh, that's devastating. <laughs> For a minor in the minors? Guys, I got the veterans are like, uh, okay, here's two bucks. Go get a yeah. hamburger. Oh, man, that's awful. Crushing. I, crushing. I, my The NHL camp I went to, I didn't know about per diem or NHL per diem. I didn't know I was going to be getting it at camp. I thought camp was just tryouts, and we went to Moncton. We flew to the Maritimes and did like 10 days there. Had NHL per diem, which is like 100 bucks a day or whatever it was. I didn't know, and then they're like, here's your envelope. And I was like, what's the envelope? And you look inside, just like a stack of $1,000 U.S. cash. I was like, oh, my God. I seriously, and because I had been in university and spending no money, I was so used to spending no money, I lived off that $1,000 for two months. Wow. Oh, what a life. Um, Just going back to that Doug McLean tweet. You look unbelievable for 85. (laughs) (laughs) The first response. (laughs) 85, you don't look a day over 90. <laughs> so that's uh, a good response. Where do you want to go? Before we go to break, we got uh, Ken Danico uh, coming up after our break. But uh, I, I know we, we talked a little bit about Nick Robertson. And listen, I'm not suggesting he's on the trade block or he'll never play for the Leafs. I just, I, I think it's leaning towards uh, this guy saying, you know, I've had a couple of cracks here. It's not working out. Now, you you know, between an agent and a player... Sometimes you can read the tea leaves, and if it's not opened up and you feel like you have a a shot at playing somewhere else or being appreciated somewhere else, you start pushing for that. Yeah. And again, I'm not suggesting that Nick Robertson's asked for a trade, wants a trade, but this is how it generally plays out. It does. I also so yes, you can only sit a guy so long before he says, "I want to play somewhere else." But there is the element of they can just not trade you. You know, they don't, if they don't think that there's value to be gleaned from a trade, they can just say, okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way and you're not going to play for us until we do something. I guess you're just not going to play. Like, that's an option a team has. So I don't know how much leverage Robertson would have to force their hand here. But it is, it is getting to a point where it's like, you know, the kid is in what, year three? I don't know when the Columbus playoffs was that he got in, 2019, something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's been a while. Is he owed some run of hockey? Just there's no time, though. There's no time. Like, look at the uh, the bad start that the Leafs got off to, and that that sense of urgency out of uh, a Sheldon Keefe and people talking about uh, Barry Trotz. It's like 
you think that you're going to now put in a guy you and don't be want patient? In. And uh, no, like I'm going with the lineup that can dig me out of this hole. And like he said, he wants a true center. He wants to see what Holmberg can do as a true center. I know in the AHL, they really like his, all the steady things you'd want to hear, consistency, defensive effort, hustle, smarts, you know, none of the pure skill scoring stuff, but they like that he just plays center. What's and, Robertson do when he's not know, scoring? And, and I don't we, know. We did mention that uh, Mike uh, Trakos wrote an article when he had the uh, the big night, right? And everybody talked about the days of Toronto Marlies are over. Yep. And it was Count me uh, in there. it was a uh, it was a good article because it kind of got you thinking. You know, if it it's not realistic, you weren't gonna based on a a, a very good night all of a sudden put him on the trade block and have, you know, 15 teams run in to go get him. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he had a uh, a good night or 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 where he is today, I think it remains the same where teams are looking at Nick Robertson and if the Leafs are shopping him, they would say, what are you trading me? Yeah. Like, what am I getting And the Leafs here? are saying, we're trading you Cole Caulfield. Right? And they're going, mm, and I don't think no. you are. Yeah, exactly. Can I see Cole for like, three weeks or a month before uh, mm. you value them that high. And right now teams would be sitting there going, yeah, we were right on Nick Robertson that uh, he's a tweener. You would love to buy low on, on him. Wouldn't you? If you're another organization, but, but what, is low? what is low? A fifth, a I'd, fifth I'd, round? I'd still say a second right? rounder, third or a second for Nick Robertson. That That's low. Well, to me, that's a low price for someone who could score 30 goals in the league. Or he could be a career minor leaguer. Absolutely, he could. Well, I, I think don't want to give re- away it's a second or a third for a career minor leaguer. No, you don't. But you, you buy a lottery ticket, you know, a, a guy who's who has high upside, yeah. I, I think you would take a swing at that. And then uh, think, to the Leafs, that doesn't yeah, help the Leafs. For, is the for point. me, Robertson would be uh, a throw-in and added on on a first and a prospect for maybe a Klingberg by March. He can get you Teoscar Hernandez. He's the, <laughs> he's, the, he's the prospect part of that deal. Sammy, you want chiming in or are you just uh, focused on uh, I'm okay. Canadian I, soccer? I'm, I'm okay. I just, you know, this seems like a guy that they could have traded at different points with the promise. And it's scary that they may have, his value has been just destroyed by what he's done recently. You know? Remember when, Everyone was trading Jeremy Bracco every other week. That's that was I mean. the big thing. It's like That's... you got to move before. Oh, a small skill guy that was good in the AHL that hasn't been very good in the NHL? Yeah. Oh. And Has he played at all? Is Robertson? He... No. Bracco. Bracco. I honestly Did he no get a idea. sniff? I don't, no. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Not sure where he is. But that's a classic Toronto. Uh, Excited about a talented guy. Yeah, media buildup, making you yeah. bigger than it re- you really should be mentioned about. I it remember being with the, the Marlies, and you'd see, like, the, you know, Leafs top five prospects list at some other networks. And, and you'd see, like, Bracco, then Kapanen. It's like, he, ne- he never did, watch he ne- us? He never did play in the uh, NHL, but he is playing in the KHL right now. In the KHL? Yeah, he's got 19 points in 28 games for uh, mm, near Sultan Bars. He, 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 I think that's pretty he, good Was he KHL. Kitchener Ranger? Did he come he's out of the team junior? In, he's leading the team in scoring. Yeah, hey, I think that's good. Out of junior, out of Kitchener, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. And uh, a top top junior player. Mm-hmm. And not a cup of coffee. I think his off-ice commitment was at times questioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard 
Yeah. I heard the, the same thing. Yeah. Let's break. Okay, break. And then uh, we are back with Ken Danico. We're talking Jersey and the Leafs tonight from Scotiabank Arena. Back after these words. The Leafs returning home from Pittsburgh to take on the Devils tonight who have won 10 in a row. That's a, that's a lot. And we talked about a, a revamped blue line in the last year and a half out of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Here to talk about that and more, Ken Danico, Stanley Cup champion. You should have seen that blue line in his heyday, my friend. A little meaner than this one? Scary. <laughs> scary. Dano, how are you, pal? Hi, Tipper, Justin. How are you guys doing? And before we get going on what should be an unbelievable, exciting game, if you allow me to just say my my best wishes uh, last week to Boris Salming, and certainly my heart goes out and uh, hoping them the best because he was a, one of my favorite, favorite players growing up as a young kid, and uh, it was pretty uh, pretty emotional, I know, last week, and I, I loved that guy growing up. So I'm just wishing him and his family uh, the best, and my prayers and thoughts are with them. Uh, you're a class guy, Ken. Thanks for that, man. It means a lot to people here uh, in Toronto. Um, listen, nobody saw, at least outside of New Jersey, uh, this type of start uh, for Lindy Ruff, uh, especially uh, really early. But uh, how about you? You you've been? Did you see something? Did you see? Was it? A surface being scratched here. Mm, well, you look. I mean, could we expect them to win ten games in a row at the start of the season? Uh, no, especially after losing their first two games of the year and uh, fans chanting "Fire Lindy" to saying "We're we're sorry, Lindy." But <laughs> I mean, yeah. in all good fun. But but having said that, you, you certainly. Knew there was speed and skill last year. Uh, they couldn't get a save to save their life. You can't win in this league when you don't get a save. But did they improve their blue line dramatically? Yes, no question about it, because Dougie Hamilton's healthy, and he has been terrific. They had John Marino. We could not have expected what John Marino has brought. He hasn't been good. He's been fantastic. He's been that steady and just an incredible addition to the blue line Jonas Siegenthaler has brought his game to a whole nother level he's one of the best defensemen thus far in the early going at uh, suppressing rushes and all the analytic numbers and metrics that everybody loves he's right near the top from a defensive standpoint because he's big he takes a lot of space and he's mobile and uses his stick well and I go on down the list but when you got everybody playing on the same page they manage the the puck much better but for me the speed the skill that was coming. You could see that coming. We thought they'd be a little better this year. We didn't know what to expect from goaltending. But if these young guys, the Hughes, the Heishers, the Brats, took that next step, they were going to be better. And then they added Palat and Halla in the offseason, even Brendan Smith. To an extent, they needed some veteran guys that know what it takes to win on a nightly basis. I always say, guys, this is a one-goal league a lot of the time. They've won uh, a handful of one-goal games that they just couldn't win to save their life again last year. But they don't bend. Uh, they break. They bend. They don't break when when they're in trouble in their zone. And that's composure. And that's just a lot of these veteran guys. I know Palat's out uh, for quite some time, but he had an impact right away. And just being around, and uh, can't imagine when he returns, if it's even two months down the road, when the games get tougher, how valuable he will be for this team. So a lot of things going right. Uh, keep it in perspective, fellas. It's still early, uh, as we all know. 
but they're feeling it and they believe in themselves and they're enjoying this winning. One of the great parts of having someone like yourself on who watches his team every night is learning a bit about the people who, names I don't know, who are a big part of it because we're all familiar with Heeshear and Hughes and, you know, Tatar even, like a lot of these guys. But, I mean, I see Fabian Zetterland on the first line, Dawson Mercer on the second line. Can you tell us a little bit about those two? Mm. Uh, you know, not players I'm overly familiar with. Well, another big reason they're off to a good start is their balance up front. They play pretty uh, pretty well all four lines, and Nico Heischer obviously gets a little more ice than the rest, but I'll tell you, everybody plays 13-plus minutes a night, so it makes makes it tough for the opposition to, to cover a certain line or player because Jesper Bratz on the third line, so-called third line tonight, mm-hmm. and he makes that line better. But guys like Zetterlin, the young guys, they always had a good prospect pool. He's been in the AHL for in Utica for the last three years, had a little cup of coffee last year. He showed glimpses he's got a big shot he's got a motor that goes 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 he brings energy he's he's got an attitude and and that's something all these little things and pieces have added up uh that they need you need to play with attitude he's that guy that's only getting better jack hughes doesn't care who he plays with he seems to give everybody uh scoring chances uh, on a nightly basis and dawson mercer even though his numbers aren't outstanding offensively yet he had a really good rookie year I always say with Dawson Murray, he's just a through-and-through hockey player, and all their young forwards can play in both ends of the rink. They're complete players at such a young age, and that's something, you know, that takes quite some time or years if a guy's just an offensive player, but for him to understand the game. So he has an impact, even if he's not getting points, but he did have a big game in Montreal, picked up a couple of assists, was a star. He's just elusive. He can skate. He's wiry. He's not the biggest guy in the world but he never seems to get himself on the tracks like he's always dodging and deking. So another guy that brings a lot of energy and emotion. And I can go on down the, the lineup right now, and, yeah, everything's going well, so we're singing their praises. But, but everybody's contributing, and big reason why they're winning. You mentioned Tomas Tatar. Uh, he struggled last year, and they needed him to bring some offense. He's always been a hard worker. Well, he's having a lot of fun right now playing uh, on that top line with Nico Heischer. And now he's getting rewarded. Now he's finishing off his chances. And the fourth line, I can go on and on. Those guys not only bring energy, size, speed, Miles Wood, straight line is as fast as any guy in the league. Michael McLeod can skate, Bastion. But they've produced offense. They've, they've scored on chances. So you shut down the top two lines. you got other guys contributing. And, you know, fellas, that, that uh, creates success. And you're going to get some wins if you've got everybody contributing. We're talking to Ken Danico, Devils color analyst on MSG NHL Network and three-time Stanley Cup champion. One more uh, mention off the the lineup for me is Jesper Bratt. Uh, Leaf fans are going to be watching this guy tonight. And uh, Dano, he 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 looks to me like a guy that uh, every centerman on the team would quietly go up to Lindy and say, I want to play with him. Yeah, well, he... He's an offensive generator for sure, and, and his edge work is second to none. He's shot out of a cannon. He's quick, and he's a one-man exit out of his own zone when he picks that puck up. He's tough to contain. Uh, this is a guy that was a sixth-round pick back, oh, five or six years ago. So anytime you find some diamonds in the rough like a brat, uh, it's going to make your team better. And the Devils have always had a good prospect pool as far as young players, but he came right in as a surprised and made the team as a 19 year old and you saw the talent and the ability but but it's gone to another level right now and 
Uh, he's a guy that every time the puck is on a stick, you feel something good's going to happen or some offensive chance. And certainly, yeah, uh, if you're playing with him, and, and Lindy's done a good job of j- just tinkering. I mean, Brad's okay with being the so-called third line because he's going to make Sharon go much better. Maybe get him going. He hasn't got off the year that he really wanted to yet, but he's still an impact and he can really rifle the puck. So I expect Brat to set him up with a few real nice passes to give him that opportunity to get going because all offensive players want to be on the board. And certainly they've relied on that balance, but Brad has been a catalyst right from the get-go. He's a fun, fun player to watch. Maybe a Matt Naslin type player. That's in a comparison way back in our day, you know, watching a guy with the blue guy with the Montreal Canadiens, but he's a special player. And and, uh, every time, like I said, he, he is shot out of a cannon when he picks up that puck. Ken, what are your impressions of the Metro division so far this year? Like, just sorting it right now, you see New Jersey and the Islanders are 1-2 in that division. Uh, Washington and Pittsburgh are in the 6th and 7th hole. The Rangers I had high expectations for. They're kind of, you know, skimming along around 500. And Phillies, you know, it's an interesting division. What are your thoughts on what the Metro looks like so far this year? Well, surprises thus far, I mean, including the Devils. I mean, even being... Me being around there so long, like I said at the top of the show, I didn't expect them to be here. But having said that, I think the bottom, I knew going in in September, I thought the bottom three, four teams in the, in the Eastern Conference, not just the Metro, uh, were going to, you know, close the gap with those top teams. Washington, they're decimated with injuries, so you've got to take advantage. And, and the Devils and some other teams have, including the Islanders. The Pittsburgh Penguins still trying to find their way after a real good start. And things shift. The competitive balance for me in the league is at an all-time high, and especially to start this season. So I think those were the teams the Devils thought maybe if they slip, we've got to take advantage of it, and there's going to be uh, room to climb up the ladder. How much, they didn't know. And right now, I'm going well. But like I said, as they say, guys, one game at a time, and they realize it's a long, long season. They've all mentioned it, that, uh, we got to just bank these points, get as many as we can for when we do go on our run. But the only difference with the Devils team this year, I feel, with the depth, with some veteran leadership that, and, and being pretty good at both ends of the ring, is that when they hit that rut and that two, three-game losing streak, it's not going to snowball like previous years where it's five, six, seven, eight, or at least we don't. Uh, we hope not, and they certainly have enough tools to get out of it compared to previous seasons. And is there a sense that Vanacek might be like a, a Markstrom where, you know, you had to go to a, a, another team first to kind of get yourself eventually settled in? Yeah, I mean, he really looked forward to the opportunity. I saw him in the summer when he came to New Jersey, and he was he was pretty excited about it to be with this young group. And everybody says that, but he really believed he was pretty positive this team was going to take a stride. and. He wanted to be part of it. And his numbers weren't bad, Kipper, last year in Washington. They elected to go a different direction as Samsonov went to, to the Leafs as well. And they just wanted to make room to get a, a, a completely different goaltender when they got the Stanley Cup champion. So Vanacek was available. But I know Fitzgerald, who's done a really good job, the general manager of the Devils, for the most part, getting Marino, getting Vanacek, they believed in him. They said this is he's at that stage of his career that he just needs to – to feel that he's the man, he's the guy going to get a good opportunity, and he hasn't disappointed thus far. Like I said, hope it's consistent. That was maybe his problems in the past in Washington, a little consistency issues. But thus far, he's made the timely saves. It's always not about numbers. 
Example, Montreal, 15 shots in the first period, a handful of real good grade-A chances. He kept the Devils around. If they're down one or two nothing, it's a different story. They haven't had that, and he's been doing that all season long. And then the Devils took over in the second and third where they only gave up 11 shots combined in the last 40. So he doesn't see a lot of shots at times. The Devils are pretty good at keeping them to a low total most of the year. But he's been fun. He's a battler. You can tell he cares. He shakes off the bad goal. I think that's the most important part for a goalie in their mentality. You've got to be able to shake things off. And he's been able to do that all season long. And he's been fun to watch, like I said, because – because of his battle level, even at goaltending, you got to be that competitor, and we've really seen that here in New Jersey. Devils are six and zero versus Canadian-based teams. Like, yeah. I, 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 I don't know if there's been another team Canadians. that can, can can claim that over the last few years. That's a heck of a run, especially when you start going out west and you hit a few of those bars. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't do what we did in the past. Oh, okay, I think good. They take a little. A little better care of themselves. They're, they're corporations in themselves now, right? So back then, our attitude in the 80s and early 90s was play hard, party hard. I don't think that's the <laughs> the norm these days. Good. These guys uh, go city them, to city. They're... That makes them smarter <laughs> than us, Dano. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, different time, different mentality. We uh, we might have had more fun, but these guys are well-oiled machines now. And, and for them to go out in Western Canada and sweep that trip kind of really started them getting to believe because that's never happened for, for a lot of years uh, for this team. And then they go into Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver and win all three, starting to believe themselves. Yeah, it's, it's been a nice streak and a 6-0 and against Canadian teams. And I don't think they've lost to a game to the Western Conference yet, something along the lines 5-0 and or 6-0 uh, and in, along those lines. But those will be broken. They know that, but they just taking it, whatever's on the schedule and, and they just want to continue to, you know, do all the little things it takes. And Lindy Ross done a terrific job. I mean, you know, everybody says old school dinosaur. You know, you hear those connotations over the years. The guy is a good man, and he, he really communicates with his young guys. And Jack Hughes wasn't just throwing uh, fluff in the air when he'd said before the year, he says, I love Lindy Ross. And regardless of all the struggles the last few years, there were circumstances, COVID, this, that. They need, he needed a chance to show what he can do with a, with a good young group that's developing, getting better. And the key to me, too, guys, I, I underestimate it sometimes. They've added three or four new assistant coaches that have done a terrific job. Ryan McGill on the back end has, has really got these guys playing at an all-time high. Sergey Breland comes in, three, three-time Stanley Cup champion. He's, he doesn't mince words. You watch him in practice, and, you know, he makes these guys – and they listen because the guy's – a proven winner, and he knows what it takes. And certainly Brunette is an associate coach, has got the power play better, got the, these guys being even more creative a little bit. So a lot of good things with some of the new guys they hired, and I'm probably missing somebody, but that's been a big part of it as well. Leafs coming off a big win Tuesday night against Pitt. Devils coming in, 10-game winning streak. Uh, really looking forward to this. Have a great call tonight, Dano. Should be a fun one, and, and the Devils, again, this is another challenge for them because they haven't beaten the Leafs in a long time. So they're trying to break break that streak amongst their winning streak, so it should be a good game. 0-7-1 and in their last eight versus the there Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll see, we'll see if that changes tonight. Can Dana go? Thanks, man. Pleasure to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. Fellas. Thanks so much. Appreciate day. it. You too. 
1,283 games, 175 in the playoffs. Wow. A lot of playoff hockey. A lot of jersey hockey there. You just, like, you're on the stats today. I'm so good right now. Sammy really prepped us well. Because I know I won't be here tomorrow. What's up? Sorry, I was just saying bye to uh, Dano. What's up? Good Uh, stats today? Yeah. 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 Throwing uh, a lot of stats. Vanacek's red hot. And he's going tonight. Yeah. And see, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of compared him to uh, Markstrom, where Markstrom was in Florida to start, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and then goes to Vancouver. Vancouver and then just settles in and uh, gets a great contract and is a, a legit number one guy. And yeah, nine thirty four save percentage in the last eight takes games. Takes a while for these big goalies to kind of get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it helps play in front of a team that's running the play as much as they are and. I'm with Danico. I, someone who watches the team every night, like you could tell he knows it's not going to be like this. They're not the runaway best team in the league, but sure is fun that they're going to compete. I thought his point about guy, good teams missing, or maybe that was your point, good teams missing that Metro, it's going to be interesting. Like, are Pittsburgh and Washington going to miss the playoffs this year? I, I don't know if that's happened since, I don't know, Sid and Ovi came in the league. Someone's, uh, Doug McLean mentioned it. Yeah someone's going to be really disappointed. And that ends up costing jobs when that happens. All right. um, Where do you want to start? Buffalo, you want to start about... uh, Yes. Edmonton's loss last night to L.A. and Edler and McDavid. uh, My Sabres Sabres are going through a tough stretch. Why don't you tell us what's been the trend? So over the last four years... In 2019-2020, they started 8-1-1, one, and one, and then they lost 10 of 12 games. Ooh. In 2020-2021, they went 4-3-2, and two, which isn't even that good, okay. but it's not bad. Then they lost 23 of 25. I... 23 of 25. <laughs> and then... Well, it's not good. <laughs> and then the following year in 2021-2022, 5-1-1 start, lost 10 of 12. Ugh. And this year, uh, it's weird. We this year we went seven three and zero to start, and then we lost seven in a row. Now we don't we though. Are you a we? <laughs> don't we the same? A, a, a true Leaf fan is a we with Buffalo. I'm joking. No, it's okay. But you I just want to make sure that it up. I just want to make we sure. suck. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure that everyone knows that. But Tage Thompson, Tage Lemieux, still looks pretty good. He scored a sweet goal last night. Oh, he just one-timer. hammered yeah. it. One timer. And they had some good looks, too. I thought they... Forsberg played well. He made some big saves. He did. Just in my one-game sample of watching the Sabres during this, they try to do it themselves a lot. You know, J.J. Paterka trying to cut through guys. And I just thought the number of times I saw guys try to take solo rushes didn't look like a connected group to me. And that happens when you start things start to go wrong and you're young. And well, Remember how connected the Bills... And the Sabres were. You're like, Josh Allen's bringing that team up. And they were playing so well. I credited him. I know. And now the, now the Bills suck. They, they're, not even Bills, playing, they're not even playing at home this weekend. Josh Allen's dipped. And now it's affecting the Sabres. They're, they're going to Detroit. Yeah. I'm, on, to, I'm on to th- something there. Are. Yeah. So, Kipper, it's supposed to snow three to six feet, not inches, feet in Buffalo. So they're moving so their game to Detroit. I would Detroit. be buried. Yeah, right. If you, you stood straight would, if up. If I stood straight up, <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't find me. They'd find my hair. The uh, If you ever have to move to Detroit to improve the weather, you, you got a bad weekend coming, man. That's crazy. And are we getting smoked here in Toronto, too? No, no it's going to miss. Getting a couple centimeters. 
I don't understand that. It's pretty close, like a two-hour drive. Okay. How are we not getting more than that? Get a meteorologist yeah, on. Yeah, I understand. Okay, there. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Derek. Meteorologist. <laughs> I'm a little concerned for Josh Allen. Yeah, me too. Like, I love him, but I, he's my favorite player I in football history. I can't understand why he threw that football. It was like a Sandine pass up the middle of the ice. Yeah, it was bad. Listen, that was an amazing football game. If we want to have football corner here, that was unbelievable. We got soccer coming up. We got that kind of yes. footy. We got footy, footy, football. That was one of the best catches in the history of the sport, Justin Jefferson, okay. the one-hander. Anyways, continue. Very yeah, let's want to move on to Alex Adler's hit on McDavid. No supplemental discipline. Zach Hyman, who's had a history with Edler mm-hmm. as a Toronto Maple Leaf, mm-hmm. had a few choice words on what happened last night. Let's have a listen. So I don't want to ask you about the hit, but I do want to ask you about your captain. When you see anything happen to him, it seems like everybody's on board to, not that he needs it, but they're there for him. No, I mean, it's just, you know, he, he did that hit to me a couple years ago. Uh, exact same play. I was out for two months, and, uh, you know, he just did it to, to Connor. Same thing. It's just an extremely dangerous play. Um, so, you know, I'm glad Connor's okay. Appreciate your time, Zach. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. I love Gene. Prince of Bay. Oh, Prince. So Prince nice. He starts off by saying, I don't want to ask you about the hit, but I'm I'm really asking you about the hit. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I have an obligation as a journalist. <laughs> but why don't you just ask him about the hit? Yeah. I just ask him. I'd be like, hey, what do you think of the hit? If I don't ask oh, I you about the hit, I'm really hoping that you will mention the hit. Mm-hmm. And it, it just smart. worked beautifully. He really see did. Gene, see how Gene looks so smart there? Gene is smart there. That's why. It's a great play. But hey, this hot Hyman's. I mean, he let him know, right? That's a dirty play that Edler now has done a couple of times and puts someone who's pretty good at risk. Ah, it's okay to be a little dirty. It's fine. Well, but you don't condone the Edler play. You condone general dirtiness. I don't think... So, it's, I watched... Did you watch it, the Hyman hit? It, it's, yes. It, is, was it suspendable to you? No. Okay, then it's not that. It's not dirty. It's, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can play dirty and not. It's not dirty enough. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. I thought there's no comparison between Hyman's and and what he did to McDavid. Well, do you see? Uh, there's actually a clip of McDavid talking to Doughty on the ice, and McDavid widens his legs to say that Edler made his base wide to get more to clip me more. Doughty <laughs> and McDavid going at I, it, and, I, and McDavid's out there finishing checks. You, He's angry. Do you even think for one second we're having any discussion on that play if it's anyone else no well, well not no anyone it else. could be uh, austin it could be <laughs> marner yeah it could be crosby could but be yeah the list is about 10 of... people long B- maybe at the, at the yeah at the 11th person we're yes. like well, that was fine yeah i don't see the problem so they have okay. but the, listen other sports protect their stars you can't touch you know quarterbacks you can't touch certain nba stars I think why do we let we, them touch because, McDavid? Because we we stopped looking for those guys. That's why. That's why it's not happening. What do you mean? Uh, there's just if if someone went after Austin tonight, mm-hmm. which we have seen in the past. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Gio, Giordano yeah. would be the guy to come in and protect your stars. Right. But, but shouldn't the refs? Shouldn't the NFL, NHL else. say, "Hey, referees." Can you make sure you take extra special care of the important people? No, no, that's not happening. <laughs> that's I think not. My, Juice it up for the my stars. Jobs, my job's to officiate <laughs> the game. Officiating. Not, no, to, not to do what you... 
No, because you don't want to do the right thing for your star. Uh, don't hook it up. Uh, don't, don't put it on me. Yeah. I, I right? think versus other sports where you can protect, like if you're protecting the quarterback, there's such like a focal point, right? Yeah. Like the, every play happens with them. You're watching them. It can quickly be like, yeah, that's a low hit. Oh, that's a high hit. That's a late hit. Right. It's an easy flag to call. If you're trying to keep an eye on everybody and you're trying to keep an eye on the star at all times in hockey, it's a completely different thing. Yeah. Like it's like it's it's way too fast the game to be like yeah we're we're paying attention to McDavid at all time I don't know I think it's just a different thing you, you, different I animal I agree you know what I find amazing though is that that Connor doesn't find himself in more uh, situations like that he's so fast mm-hmm. and he's Mc- moving Jesus. so quick laterally yeah that I would think that there'd be like two or three times a night mm-hmm. that this guy is on the cusp of of getting hurt or having a uh, a situation where you know he can't get out of the way and that's he he he, he tried to jump he tried to avoid yeah. that that came into play as much as anything else yeah. that he was trying to avoid a contact situation yeah. Edler I thought was going in to try to take the body mm-hmm. wide stance yeah maybe but you're allowed to stand wide but. For Connor to be going as fast as he is every night yeah. and to have the body awareness to to miss these type of uh, situations most yeah. often than not uh, kind of speaks to how frigging good he is. I know. So have, did, you guys see, have you guys watched him live in the NHL? I never have. I've never you seen him live. Yeah. I watched him, I think, maybe a year ago or two years ago. Last time we yeah. were doing Lee's and he was here. Yeah. And I just remember you talking about how fast he is. Being legitimately like worried a couple times yeah about like how fast he's actually going yeah. like with the puck on his stick and it, you're like oh my was god it, is he gonna... his rookie or second year when he Against crashed Philly. the post yeah that yes. was Philly. wasn't it giordano it knows it, it, it was Philly. It was right before the summer right or before benning us. it was matt benning that tripped him matt benning so right at the start of this season um i had the opportunity to host this thing where a guy won a contest where he got to just have a one-on-one with connor mcdavid and Sportsnet tapped me on the shoulder to sort of moderate, you know, just this guy and McDavid and no one else. It wasn't recorded, anything like that. The guy just kind of got to hang and ask him questions for 20 minutes. One of the things that McDavid said that has evolved in his career was knowing when to pull the shoot. He said, now I yes. have a much better sense of when I just, I'm putting myself in danger and, and you know, when it's not worth it. And that's a skill on all on its own. Yeah. I was fascinated by that, like acknowledging yes. that there's times oh, when you there's just some guys can't I go played with 100%. Them, like, like, where were you going? There's no room there. Yeah. Like, where Sometimes are you, you got to pull up, hit the brakes. Like, it's just Reminds not me of Kasha. Rush. Remember Kasha? Didn't have it. No. Just head first into every hit. No awareness. Head first into every fight. And that's just a, that's a radar. Yeah. And you think about these guys that, you know, we've kind of been poking some light fun at Kessel being the Iron Man, but... You know, he has a quicker shoot, Yes, right? He'll pull it quicker, but it is still an ability to be aware of when and where trouble is coming from. That's a talent unto itself. If you can have it more like McDavid and less like certain players. There should be a a consecutive uh, missing contact streak. (laughs) How many hits you can avoid? How many you could avoid (laughs) consecutively. He's hit zero times in (laughs) in the last 27 attempted hits. You mentioned Phil Kessel. Set to play in his 1,000th straight game tonight. So he's getting the, the silver stick having missed zero games. 1,000th straight game. 
He should just Amazing. pack it in right after that, the game. Listen, that's get a 1, flu. Listen, <laughs> you know, come on, Kipper, that's insane. I know you want to get like no. Th- we can we can poke fun at it. Scram, beat it. A, thousand, a ton of credit. A he's thousand been straight sick. games is insane. He's been sick. It's. Yeah, oh, it's look at this look on your it, face. It, it is impressive. No <laughs> flu. No, nothing. No tweet groin. No. Not twist ankle. Man, some days you play through stuff, you feel terrible. Your legs are heavy. You got a cold. You're all congested. You're full of Sudafed. He, he must have had a couple of Colby situations where he didn't even shower after a game. <laughs> no? <laughs> well, fine. I'd, I don't know. I'd rather him be on the ice and available the, the for The Arizona game uh, where he just stepped on the ice and left. Oh, that was bad. That was a non-shower night. Oh, well, Did no, he have his, his firstborn child? Wasn't something. That it? You still yeah. have to have a rinse. <laughs> shower sheriff Sammy's the shower sheriff of the show So no. we're still counting his games after that episode Where he just stepped on the ice and left Listen, I gotta be honest, I forgot about that That was bad no, but no. Really bad But he missed the game not due to illness or injury Which is the point of the Ironman streak He missed it because So let's have some healthy scratches in there I'm on a 600 heater then <laughs> <laughs> take, away, take away my healthy scratches. I played 600 in a row. I, I would love to know how many people. Did you never miss doing okay. injury or illness? Oh, yeah. 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 I went 10 years without missing a game due to injury or illness. Wow. And, then I was, and then I was destroyed for the last two years of my career. So happens. But it's random. Like, I took a hockey puck to the jaw. Like, it's there's some randomness for that to never happen to him. All right. Who had the... Uh, you guys showed me a picture of uh, Tavares with a fat lip. Oh, yeah. He got I, caught. Fat. I split my lip open. A guy by the name of Mike Weir followed through on a... Mike Weir? Mike Weir. Playing golf? W- that happened on the fourth no, not, hole or not something? No, not W-I-E-R. Okay. Uh, W-A-R-E. Okay. I don't know. He's a first rounder in Quebec or something. He Behind the net, he went to rifle the uh, wrap around and mm-hmm. uh stick came up and cut my bottom lip open. And I uh, broke oh, five yeah, teeth. Oh, yeah, you had a pretty good scar there, actually. Oh, my God. You should have seen my lip the next day. They had to, like, they gave me a full visor and had to, like, shove the lip behind. <laughs> oh, and it's like my lip was, like, inside. up against the visor. Oh, like, no I was doing, thing. like, a, a, a Freddy Blowfish. You ever do one of those? Where I don't you put know your what face, that means. <laughs> I'm a little scared to find out. Put your face up against the glass. <laughs> You've never seen one well, before? Yeah, I, th- I mean... There's I one with and then, and then you just pop it out. There's one with the other side of, for you <laughs> after the you show. Might. There's one on the other side of the body called a pressed ham. So. <laughs> 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 Anyways, now that was a fat lip I had. Yes, that was the whole point of that. All right. Looking at John Tavares's little bump on his lip, and he's I'm gonna like, be okay. Nah, nah, that's um, not a fat lip. So, Kipper, are you gonna disclose where you're playing golf tomorrow or no? Uh, I'm in South Carolina. So we played some local Muni. Uh, yeah, fourteen dollar uh, green played, fees. They played uh, a tournament there. That uh, president something, Sammy. Which one was that? <laughs> oh, you yeah. mean the President's Cup? Yeah, that one. Wow. That one. Called uh, Quail Hollow. Oh, is that is that better than Don Valley? Was it <laughs> Sammy and I or no? <laughs> yeah, I no, think no so. Looking to forward Valley. to it. you guys. Will, you're you're going to have a a great show, I'm sure. Uh, JD will be in. Yeah. Um, just throw the ball and play yeah. the punk and let Listen, him run. Uh, still tune in, please. Do that for, <laughs> for us. Uh, I got two things to ask you about, unless you have something that no, you're hit I was your just, headed. I was going to mention, too, that I am coming back. I will be here <laughs> for Monday. <laughs> and uh, I'm taking you guys to the Islander game. Yeah, although if QP strikes, I don't know if I'm right? doing anything ever. But, uh, oh, yes. Yeah. So, Sammy, 
I know you and your lovely bride, Allie, have I'm gone in. to a few Leaf games. Uh, uh, you know how you look down from your seats and, and people in the lower bowl look like tiny little ants? Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, you're going to be one of those tiny little yes. ants on Monday. You are, t- for the first time, Sammy's going in the lower bowl. Let's <laughs> yeah. do it. I gotta, do I got to wear a suit, uh, I suit know, and yeah. eat sushi? I need like old fedoras, like the classic 1950s hockey fans. Real Kipper I'm born thrilled. on the road. We should be used to have a live stream or yes. something. What do you got get- for me? Uh, two questions. One of the things was about um, a tweet I saw that like Andrew Brunette, you know, in you know, had talked to Vancouver preseason. You know, they're interested. What what is happening that people are talking about potential Canucks head oh, coaching candidates? Listen, it's just they have a coach. Just goes to show you how kind of cutthroat sometimes you know the and anything in life can be because can you imagine that he, you're just eating your fruit loops in the morning and you're seeing someone tweet about your job you're, you're reading about uh, and you're reading the tea leaves outside of what you're reading in uh, online about uh, bruce boudreau being gone or soon to be gone or imminent and don't don't think those phone calls aren't happening right now like if you're bruce you're like just do it like you got your well, head on the chopping block it, and you drop the blade. I don't know. Then? I mean, I don't, I'm not suggesting Andrew Burnett's made phone calls, but no. their reps have been probably assistant coaches have their guy sending to... real strong messages to Vancouver. If you're gonna make a change, my guy would really like that opportunity. That's uh, that's all happening behind the scenes. I yeah, it's. There's a lot of that sort of jockeying. I just can't. I don't know if that's fair to do Boudreaux how this is going down right now. Imagine if I was on Twitter and it was like, yeah, I heard Bunkus is the next real Kipper and Bunkus coming up next year. I'd be like, <laughs> can I talk to JD? Could I, you know, I don't know. It just feels like an un- unjust yes. way to go out for a guy who's had such a great yeah, career as a just, coach. And it's unfair. You guys are going to be here tomorrow and I'm at the golf course, right? It's <laughs> just, life ain't fair. It's just life. Uh, yeah. Justin Thomas won the uh, 2017. PGA Championship at Quail Hollow. Oof. Those are two of my three names. Nice to know. There you go. Just so you know. Playing um, with him tomorrow, Kip? What's that? Playing with him tomorrow? Uh, I don't know who I'm going to be paired up with. I'll <laughs> let you know, though. Don't Thank worry. You. I'll send you a note. Uh, Post game tonight, by the way, Sammy and I. McKee and I on Leafs Talk. YouTube, check oh, it out. Oh, going, you're going tonight? Yeah, him yeah. and I. For our, for our first episode of the two all of right. us just talking Leafs. You got all those... Uh, issues dealt with oh yeah sound is working perfect we're now. good now tune in some highlights too you get to show some highlights yes yes there will be highlights wow possibly they do nope. me a favor uh, mention Thanks little for Buddha today on on the show uh, you own that, that i you that are my the wife owner of whole, full disclosure own. that is their company <laughs> this is not a paid advertisement yes we got to make sure that we let everybody know. In my opinion, it is one of the superior brands, but that's just my opinion, and that is not factual. It's an excellent drink. Do <laughs> the New Jersey Devils end a streak tonight? I think Lee's win tonight. You know, I, I'm, I know I don't want to be like poly positive every single day, but I, I think the Leafs win too. Okay, I'll go against the Leafs then. All right. Just, the just to balance it out. The I, I think the Devils have got more to squeeze out on this streak. I mean, hey, they're they're a good hockey club. They have not won or beat the Leafs in eight. They see a big stage. Those kids are cocky and arrogant enough to know that a win here. I'd say they're would, doing okay. Would would change uh, the uh, the the world's perspective of them. It's a good point. This is a big night for the Devils' kids. Regardless of who wins, uh, we do expect a heck of a hockey game tonight. All right, our thanks to Doug McLean. Ken Danico 
and Mike Kelly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Hit the thumbs up button on YouTube and give us a rating and review. Thanks for joining us.